0: Hello and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. I'm Dylan Heisen with Michelle Ander. Hello. And we're uh, ex- very excited today to be joined by special guests, uh, Rad Seacrest and Bill Wolkoff, uh, executive producers of Keep On The Age of Wonder uh, Hi, guys. Thanks for joining us. Great yeah. to meet you guys. Hey, guys. Hey, um... <laughs> yeah, we uh we uh ta- we ta- we had a podcast before on Kipo season 1 and we loved it. Um you can find that at overlyanimated.com and today we're going to be talking with Rad and Bill about the season and the show in general. Um so I think without further ado, I guess like uh we can get started by uh by by saying like it's been a few weeks i think since since kepo came out um i th- i think you two in particular have been really involved in in the community and everything so like what's what's it been like um having people finally seen Kipo and seeing all the fan response to the show it's it's pretty crazy i mean i'm constantly just checking twitter
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah he's right so
2: we're going
3: on discord and reddit it's been pretty fun uh to see all the response it has been the the best rabbit hole to fall into, uh, oh,
4: <laughs> that man. we could
3: fall into. <laughs> um, it, it's, uh, it's like so exciting to see that the show has, has, seems to have connected in ways that we had hoped it would connect. And, and, uh, there's always more people responding. So, uh, um, I'm going to try to resist uh, checking Twitter while we do this interview.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm loving all the fan art, and I also love going in and reading fan theories,
0: like on Tumblr and
1: Reddit.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you guys are uh, just being like, wait till you wait till you see what's coming on uh, on a lot of this. (laughs) Um, yeah, yeah,
3: somebody somebody this morning, I I think it just needs to be pointed out, actually made a wolf pelt. That I'm hard pressed to believe was not taken from an actual wolf and put on a child. <laughs> it was. Yeah, a, that thing was amazing. Photog- yeah, it was a photograph on Reddit with an actual Beth Stalker staff too. Uh, that I would believe is functional. <laughs> yeah.
4: That's commitment. Wow.
0: Yeah, yeah, and seeing like seeing the show grow in popularity, I also saw it on like my my popular feed on Netflix. Um, I know a lot of people have been seeing that. Um, really exciting. Um, yeah, that was exciting to see, too. Uh, Michelle.
4: Um, I guess I was a little curious. just I'm sure you both feel pretty good about the show you've made, and there there's been a lot of really positive articles and responses to it. Has the reception been about what you expected, or is it more how How are you feeling about that in general?
2: I, I think for me as a creator, I i was talking to this uh about this with one of my friends you kind of only see the flaws oh
1: so like
2: as a creator you're like, oh, i wish this could have been better oh i wish you could have done that oh, i wish this was that like that so you're just in this place of so when people respond positively to it you're kind of like oh okay cool <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah that, that's awesome yeah. um uh, do you guys want to uh, talk about um, for for people who aren't aware what uh, each of you did uh, primarily on the show?
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about. I was um, I was doing Kipo as sort of like a web comic, mm-hmm. and it got picked up by DreamWorks, and they they had me sit down with Bill, and Bill had a lot of experience in TV, so he really fleshed it out into a kind of a bigger idea. And Bill, do you want to talk? A little bit about
3: that uh yeah we were um basically set up on a work blind date um and <laughs> i had been sent rad's web comic um and i so so loved his uh drawing style um and the uh the initial world i completely fell in love with it um and it's that thing and it's like a date so you go in the meeting and you you know you talk about like oh this is how i do it as a tv show and pretend like yeah it's you know no big deal but like please let me do it this way let's let's do it this way um and happily you know that uh wound up being a good good partnership rad uh uh responded to my thoughts about how to build it out and we developed it for a year um and uh, I'm a writer, uh, so my you know big uh, you know job on the show was was writing the scripts and overseeing the scripts. Um, and and uh, but we you know on the in the early stages we were uh, both uh, doing. Uh, I mean, Rad is a director. I cannot draw, <laughs> um, but uh, we were. It was this dream collaboration where. I had written this, the first script rad had, um, then was boarding the first script while I was plotting out what the, the, you know, season would be. And this was before we had our full crew on, um, like on on a, on a huge dry erase board. Um, and that was all (laughs) in the early, early stages as we were, um, you know, creating the animatic for the first episode. And it was after that, that we were able to bring on our full crew, uh, um, but in those early days, it was just the two of us in in an office together uh, um, getting started. That was started. probably
2: the uh, most fun because, yeah, we were sharing an office and, like, I'd get the script and sit down. And I'm used to, in feature, we do a lot of comedy writing. So I was just like, oh, what if, like, when she gets out, she sees the sun and falls back. That'd be funny. Or like, oh. <laughs> Like, when Wolf and them hook up, wouldn't it be funny if there was, like, a plant full of dead things and she's, like, lifting, you know, like, adding a lot of little gags here and there? And, and it was just fun to kind of
3: brainstorm
2: and bounce the real, like, collaborative effort
3: at the beginning. Oh, that's so I,
4: cool I, to hear.
3: I, I, I liken the, the storyboarding process to when you start filming a live action show. And sometimes the you know things just come alive in a way that you never expected when you start rolling a camera. So like when uh, so there's there's a lot of evolution that happens from script to storyboarding. Um, and for the two of us to be literally in the same space, uh, um, where you know Rad would pitch these amazing jokes or visual ideas, and am like yes. And then sometimes you know uh, scenes evolve in ways that. They just never would have if it was just, you know, when it's just you alone in a room writing a script. It's it's, yeah. it's truly the most glorious thing. Um, and we try to infuse that spirit. We set up a process to infuse that spirit throughout the entire production um, of, uh, of the show.
0: Yeah, that, that's awesome. Um, I, I know a little bit ago you guys mentioned Kipo starting as uh, Rad's webcomic. And I think a lot of people are c- uh, curious about um, details from that, I know I saw uh, part or all of it on on Reddit. Uh, it was really cool to see that link there. But um, was uh, what what's like what kind of went to went uh, went behind DreamWorks seeing that and picking that up so quickly?
2: Yeah, so I think I was thirty pages in, either thirty or thirty three. I can't really remember. But um, so I was at the time I was working on How to Train Your Dragon two, and I kind of had drawn some drawings of it, and I was working it out. And then I was on Boss Baby, and I I was just like, you know what? I'm going to quit and do this webcomic. And they were like, well, do you want to work two days a week? <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> so I would come in and work on Boss Baby, and the other three days, I'd just wake up early in the morning and just be working on this comic all day. And um, I think Peter Gal saw it, who, who runs DreamWorks now. He's like, we should find out who's doing this. And it they found me, <laughs> and I was already at DreamWorks. <laughs> Um and I sat down and had coffee with him and he was like it was funny because he's like, you know, if you would have came up to me and said, "Hey, I have a post-apocalypse cartoon pitch," I would have told you, nah, I don't even want to hear that." But seeing the way you did it and made it fun, like, "Wow, that's pretty cool!" Like, would you would you want to do this as a TV show? And I was like, "Ah, uh, yeah, <clears throat> of course." <laughs> um, and I kind of just switched gears. I I shut down the comic and just went full steam. Mm um trying to work on how this was going to be a tv show and the the comic did skew a little darker like i had things in mind like in my mind i was gonna cut off javoc's tongue like it was a little more game of thronesy um (laughs) the the villain in my mind it's funny me and bill bill came up with the style independently but i actually showed him i'm like dude i have these old drawings my old villain was a human in Louis the Fourteenth outfits, I. But he was like a cannibal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, they, that's interesting. So like the, the the aesthetic of Scarlemagne was kind of there uh, conceptually. You were thinking, but that when you're but the Bill Bill literally came to me. He's like, I have this
2: idea, and he pitched me that he didn't know I had drawn that. Awesome. I was like, that's so weird. I have this drawing of the Louis the Fourteenth like character.
3: It was it, it was a sign of the the whatever warped part of Rad's brain was connecting with a warped part of my brain. Uh, in the, <laughs> the same <emerging>. way. <laughs> well,
2: um, like me and Bill went to Korea and we both looked at each other. And we had the same suitcase, and it's like a really weird suitcase. <laughs>
3: oh my god, that's right. We do have the same suitcase, <laughs> and. and I, I think we both left with our suitcases. I honestly don't know. We might we might have been, we might have been wearing wearing each other's clothes for the last uh you know uh a year but uh um but that is true. We actually do have the same houndstooth su- uh uh suitcase.
0: <laughs> That's great. Uh Cool. Well, get. I we'll want to get into a little some of the aspects of, of the show. Um, I think a big one that stands out to a lot of people, seen a lot of people talking about it, is the use of music um, and the, like, yes. the style of it and how unique that is. Um, so I guess like what kind of inspired the style, like the feel of the, the music for the show and, and all the ways that it was implemented?
2: You know, it's, it's interesting because sometimes the a lot of that is subconscious and you're not necessarily like planning that. It's like you put in the things you like, you know, and um i when i looked back at it i suddenly realized cuz i grew up skateboarding and i watched so many skateboard videos and and everything is timed to the beat to a lot of hip hop and indie rock and i realized like oh i was kind of subconsciously making like a
3: skate video mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. rad oh, I and i rad and i are also both from the east part of the east side of los angeles rat rad lives in highland park I, I live in atwater village uh our musical tastes and, and also by the way if you look at some of the uh um las vistas in our show is our version of los angeles mm-hmm. um and many of the locations were inspired by these sections of the east part of los angeles but i, I bring it up that the, there is kind of a very uh also intersection of musical tastes uh in this you know on the east side of los angeles um and it was important for us to make music um a part of this world because uh it's our world 200 years in the future um and uh because the animals that have mutated and grown have adopted human culture uh, it made sense to us that they would push forward music as well um and uh we just we just looked for as many opportunities as we can to organically bring music into the world with benson um uh i think the that benson's introduction um i live very close to a bunch of transmission towers um like the ones that he climbs um and i'd come up with that and then rad put on top of that this this amazing uh story element that that Benson uh you know likes to hunt for you know whenever he's scavenging he'll also find um old cassette tapes whenever he can and that was a great way to um use needle drop as actual score uh in our show in a way that was organic to his character um and then in terms of the mute communities that that have uh you know been uh, around for th- these 200 years each community has their own brand of music that is that is borrowed from the society the rubbles of the society that they that they found and built their world on um and uh we just thought that it was a real opportunity to uh bring um the ta- the, the sound tapestry of the world that we both know to this world um, and make it uh, uh, feel even more alive than it would with just a traditional score. That's awesome, yeah.
4: That's a really cool answer. Yeah, I mean, now that you explain it, it makes total sense that a lot of this really vibrant music is tied to these locations where all these different, say, mutes have their factions, and that would inform a lot of the music because at the time, it's just like, oh, this is a really good song. Oh, this is a really good song, too. Like, everything's just... But, like, that kind of surface-level thing is kind of all I initially was able to take away from it. But, I mean, yeah, it would make sense that, like the communities, the evolution of that would influence the mutes and everything that they have going on with all their aesthetics. So mm-hmm. it's just that's cool to know.
2: There's also a trick I learned from Chris Sanders when I was working on Crudes, I think, or maybe it was something else, but he would do a thing where when he was pitching his storyboards, he'd hit play on a song. And um he was talking about, if you remember in the first How to Train Your Dragon, that scene with the dragons with uh hiccup and dragon and the dragon where it's like there's no dialogue the whole scene and it's all music
1: Mm -hmm. and
2: he was talking about like he was bummed out on some movies he worked out when the score was just getting good someone would say a line and then you'd have to dip the score out and bring it back in so he he specifically thought i want to do a whole scene without any dialogue and that's why that scene so like for that benson scene i kind of took that with me and a lot of times we would even hit play on music so, like, we had a song we were boarding that to. Um, and I just thought it was cool to, like, to take that kind of inspiration on it.
3: Oh, damn and then it so was our it, it was our music supervisor. Like, a lot of the songs that we put in originally just as inspiration to get us there, we just couldn't get. Um, and yeah. we, you know, Keir Lehman, who is uh, uh, such a genius with music, um knows so much, uh, uh, about upcoming bands and also music that is obtainable, you know, at t- you know, for a TV show that, uh, sometimes was absolutely the spirit of our original source or other times was completely different, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, brought it alive in a way that we hadn't expected. Um, so we had a springboard that was just our wish list, um, and often, t- most of the time, that was I- impossible to get. And uh, cannot credit here and Daniel Rojas, our uh, composer, enough. You know, th- it's impossible to credit them enough uh, with uh, how they made that a reality and and evolved it in ways that was even better than what we had hoped for. Yeah, the the, the songs that
2: James and Kier and even Daniel made, we we're just like, I mean, that was the most fun we had on the show. Like they would just send stuff and it was like, how is this song not on the
0: radio? This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great. I'm, I'm still definitely still listening to the playlist. That's on, yes. on Spotify. So good. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I guess getting into the, the visuals a little bit, you, you mentioned, you guys mentioned you went to Korea and uh, it's like uh, Studio Mir animated, uh, animated the show. What, what, what was kind of the experience working with them? Yeah, uh, I mean, what, the one nice thing is
2: because we had a studio like St- Studio Mirror that we knew could kill it with the animation, sometimes in 2D animation, you have to overwork your storyboards so that if the studio can handle it, and mm. and sometimes that means if there's something you want to fix story-wise or you want to improve the storytelling, you just don't have time. Like. Because you're spending all your time cleaning up boards, but because they were such an amazing talent, we actually could send them boards that were very, very simple and focus and reworked and and focus on the story, which I the the show would not be what it is if we didn't have Mir, because of that. They're just like incredible talent,
3: and and. <laughs> credit should also go to them for um, embracing rad's very unique angular uh uh, i would say almost punk rock uh drawing style (laughs) yeah um and which there isn't a show that you can point to that's exactly like that and they had to develop uh, a visual language uh to make it animatable um and most other studios would say well let's just you know, make this a little more like this show over here because we know how to do this and and we could do that great. Um, but this is new. And you know, we don't, you know we we couldn't do this for TV. mirror when we first met with them, that was like the first thing they said to us was how excited they were to do rad style. And um, that was uh, uh, it, it took work to get there, it took a lot of uh, talking and and sending. Designs back and forth that would come from um, um, Angela Sung, our our uh, uh, art director. Um, And but they uh, um, that I think that work shows and and it's part of why uh, you know the show you know uh, looks so uh, and I can say this because I didn't draw any of it (laughs) (laughs) um, looks so looks so amazing. Um, And you know when I see it on the screen, I I get excited every time because it's the show that's in that original web comic. Uh, we, we delivered that in an animated form um, and credit to studio Mir and um, uh, Angela song for uh, being able to pull off that Herculean feat, uh on a TV budget and TV schedule.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely looks so amazing. Um, you guys mentioned the visual style. Uh, I think I was struck re- reading the, the, co- the web comic, how it was pretty, I think pretty similar to, uh, to the the show. Um, so like, I, I guess like what inspired the style originally and then how, how was it like translating that uh, into, into show form? Um, I mean, I'm a huge anime
2: fan, so I'm, I'm a huge fan of Tekken Concrete. I'm a huge fan of Fully coolie um, but also like, I mean, I grew up, I've been working at DreamWorks since 2006. So I'm surrounded by designers like Nico Marley, who designed um, Kung Fu Panda And how to train your dragon and and those, that artwork's always been up on the wall around me. Like, I've always been looking at it. I've always been working on those movies that that's like, between looking at Nico's stuff, and then my anime influences, I feel like
0: the drawing style is just kind of halfway between those two things. Well, yeah. I mean, there's how about like color palettes? I feel like in there's there's one part of the the comic goes from like blue to purple um, tones. I feel like a lot of that maybe made it in the show.
2: Yeah, um, I mean, a lot of that is. I, I'm also just really into streetwear fashion, sneaker culture. Uh, a, a lot of that is just influenced by those types of pops of color.
4: Oh, that's really cool.
0: Yeah, that is cool. I, I guess related to, to purple. Um, K- K- Kipo, ends up be, <laughs> Kipo ends up being purple and, He's purple, and and like like it seems like by the end of the season, there's a plot reason that Kipo is, is purple. But like, was um, how how did that come about? Uh, it was that like a style decision, and then and then there's plot later. was that like a plot decision, and then how did that kind of factor into the whole style in the comic? Of the show?
2: In the comic, they were just humans surviving. There was no like element. Um, I guess we're doing spoilers, right? People have already Yeah, Oh, yeah, spoilers yeah. first. <laughs> for the whole season. Spoilers. Uh, <laughs> there was no like half mutant type concept. And and Dreamworks was kinda like, you know, an Avatar Airbender Aang's like pretty special. Like is there something like or a lot of these shows, there's there's basically they're like for the comics it's okay to be pretty simple, but we need something bigger. Like we need something. Mm. And so okay. I don't build was when had i already come up with the jaguar thing or did we come up with that together i can't
3: remember that was you you had already talked about that with dreamworks uh before i came in and my initial thought was uh i was i don't know if i can swear on this podcast i was about to uh (laughs) yeah um uh uh and because it was such a great it, it felt natural to the world and it also felt like a uh, this wonderful wish fulfillment thing. And stylistically, I thought, well, oh, that's kind of brilliant. Like, it explains your skin color. Um, yeah. And uh, it, it just fits in. It was just one of those ideas that, like, however it came about, like, once you and I were moving forward with the show as a series, it just – it was – that thing that you could just point to and you know that that's right. Um, and, um, then, cause Wolf looks her, you know, she has a normal human skin tone. So does so does Benson. And so do all of the, the humans in our, our show, except for Kipo. And that, you know, that, uh, um, it, you know, that synergy worked very well. <laughs> um, you,
2: you know what's interesting? I was so used to seeing her that color. <laughs> I, I noticed a lot of people online are like, wouldn't other people notice she's purple? No,
4: she just and looks it, pretty. She just looks and really it, pretty. And it wasn't
2: until after I started seeing those comments, I'm like, oh, yeah, she's purple. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Honestly, that was my same reaction. Though I was like, "Ah, she just she just has a nice color vibe going on. It's normal." <laughs> and then when the arm happened, I was like, "Oh, it's because of that. It's because she's half mute." Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You think it plays like you just think assume it's a style thing, and then it's I think yeah. it's like really satisfying when there's also a, a plot reason that comes into play.
3: <laughs> Occasionally, I'll see somebody online get who's seen one or two episodes get angry that there's inconsistency to the skin colors. And I I have to fight myself to to you know tweet back wait but uh, I, <laughs> I, have, I have I have resisted that temptation.
0: <laughs> That's cool. Um, h- how about the the post apocalyptic setting and like all the all the different types of mutes that that we see? Like, uh, what, what what's some of the inspiration behind those? And then how how would, did uh, how'd you guys go about flushing all the all the setting out in the show?
2: So it's interesting, like. My- when I was originally doing it, I was just really inspired by what was going on in TV. Like there was Walking Dead, there was Game of Thrones, and I I, I had been working in feature. I was like, dang, like the cool stuff's happening in television. And so I was like, I just want to do something cool like that. So I was definitely like, all right, I'm inspired by Walking Dead, let's do a post-apocalypse thing. I was also working on How to Train Your Dragon too, and I was drawing giant dragons. So I kind of was doing these compositions already with giant creatures. And and the first thing I drew was the mega bunny with all the um, row of of bunny ears. And I think that was just an inspiration of wanting to do Walking Dead, but also already doing large creatures. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: And then initially I started with um, the gangs were human. They were still themed. And and the first gang I did was again they were cannibals which we didn't end up doing <laughs> but they were that baroque kind of uh, Louis the Fourteenth style and oh, and they lived in trailer parks for some reason but they still dressed like that um, and then I started drawing um, more mutant animals and I was like oh this is way cooler because <laughs> um, you know everything's muted mutated out of control
3: anyway so why not. By the by, the time all the, the comic came my way and and I, I saw it, uh, I I was really excited because it was an opportunity to tell a show about the end of the world in this absurd and whimsical way, but keep the stakes of it real. Um, and for me, uh, the power of telling a story about the end of the world is uh important to pass on to kids so you're not sugarcoating what's happening around in the world around them and i think we can all relate to feeling like this world is really ending um and when you're really young that could be really scary uh Mm. and this was an opportunity to not diminish that say yes this is real this is very real Um, but there is also this wonder in it, um, and uh, this, there's also an element of being able to uh, survive in that um, yeah. because of uh, the, the found family um, and uh, and overcome. Um, and it's thematically, I thought it was a chance to talk about moving forward uh, and 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 uh, embracing a world that does not recognize the, the world that we know. Um, and uh, there was a real power in that to me. Um, so it, from an emotional standpoint, I thought, Oh, what a great story to be able to, to share with kids. I, I wished I had a, a show like that. Um, and then you also get to embrace the whimsical, playful element of it um, because we got to spend hours and hours and hours. And first it was just rad and me. And then we had, this amazing amazing and i cannot say amazing enough writing team um who i hope to do every show i ever do with um (laughs) uh um come in and we would uh build out these uh, these many fantastic lands that Hippo and the family of our show discover um and sometimes that would come from from uh a drawing that rad would do and he would just draw something that like just occurred to him that was funny like I think that's how the Newton wolves came up. Like the Rad just drew these uh, the wolves that loved astronomy. And then we said, oh, well, they discovered, you know, a picture of Carl Sagan and the rubble of humanity uh, in what was, you know, in this old observatory uh, and based their whole society out of that. Um, and, you know, or, uh, you know, sometimes we would just uh, get to tap into the playful side of our brains to see what we could come up with in, 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 in this world. And and it was, the most fun sandbox to play in. Um, but no matter what we came up with, uh, our mandate was always to, to keep the, the the stakes of the world real. So it, it didn't come across as glib and, and distancing, that this was an experience that we had to survive with our heroes.
4: I think that's really lovely. And I was just gonna ask, because one of my initial questions was gonna be what do each of you consider to be the most important thing you were trying to express with the show? And that could be you know anything from themes to setting to art style, but like what if you if you think you could surmise like that one thing that's most important to you in terms of expressing, what would it be for each of you?
2: my my totally honest answer is. I, uh, first and foremost, I was trying to make a show people would enjoy watching, so yeah, uh, <laughs> like an entertainment value and, and and i I come from a storyboarding background, so like you know a lot of times we're writing scenes, we're writing a lot of comedy, and it's almost like doing a stand up set where you go up and you pitch it to a room and you're trying to make people laugh and mm-hmm. I just after doing that for years, it's like where my brain is at um. I wasn't consciously like, like, I wasn't consciously like, oh, we're going to, you know, change the world or anything (laughs) like that. Um, Yeah. But at the same point you do want to, it's hard to be motivated on things unless
3: you, you you feel like you're contributing to the world, you know? Mm
1: -hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: That, that is, uh, a very important point to get across, like that. Yes, we, you know, at the end of the day, we are we are writing to connect to an audience and and make an audience laugh and use the power of animation. Um, and uh, I mean, I think it's it's also it is an opportunity to tell stories that are. Uh, I mean, I, I believe in you know, I don't know if it changes the world, but I do believe in a power to stories to um, uh, help us process. The you know things in our own own lives um, and, and for me, Kipo is is about uh, embracing uh, not being afraid of a, of a, a new and unrecognizable world um, and finding wonder uh, in what might seem like the end of the world that we as we know it um, and and also to do weird. Make people
4: laugh. <laughs> <laughs> well said.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, in in turn ter- uh, related to like the the power of the show, I think something a lot of people are talking about something that really struck us is the the diver- diversity of the show and uh, some questions about that. Um, definitely starting with how uh, we're talking on the podcast. This might be we think it might be the first time in like kids animation a uh, main characters just said like I'm gay uh, with yeah. Benson in episode six. Um, really curious about like what went into the decision of having Benson say it so explicitly, like how, how much pushback you guys got um, and just in general your approach to to telling that story with Benson.
2: I mean, when I did the comment that the character of Benson, I, I wanted to make a character that was like Superman, like a hero type. And then you find out he's gay because I, I felt like there just weren't a lot of characters like that portrayed in media. Um yeah. And I, I just thought like, you know, someone's seeing someone that's their hero, and then you're like, oh, and he's gay. It, it it puts you mentally in kind of a different place. Um, So when we pitch a show, I was like, I, I want this character to be gay. And Peter Gal just said, that's great, but he has to say the words, mm-hmm. I'm gay. Oh,
4: interesting. <laughs> wow.
2: And I didn't know that was important. Peter is gay. Uh, oh, okay. And... <laughs> And and I was like, "That's great, yeah." Let's and then me and uh, and Bill wrote the episode and, and did a great job of um, you know executing that.
3: And we we wanted that moment to come out in a very in a way that was organic to the show. Um, mm-hmm. And it was like for me, this what was uh, great about uh, working with Rad and and uh, getting to tell the story. Uh It was clear from the beginning that our priority was to, to use as a springboard the world that we know today um and uh, make that very real. Um, so our world in Los Angeles is very diverse um and uh inclusive um, and we wanted that to be reflected in all of the human characters um, and so for for the for that story for Benson. We we knew that he was – okay, that was just a part of who he was, but it's not who, what defined him. And it was just right. finding the right way for it to come out. And this is a world where there's not a lot of humans on the surface, but they're kids coming of age. So when they're with each other, feelings are going to come out. And in that episode, um, w- uh, we realized, oh, this is uh, – uh, and this also was the result of our great writer's room um, – uh, and many other voices on the show weighing into, uh, as, as we figured out the story before, uh, um, before I, I happened to write that episode. Um, that's how it works. Like everybody comes up on our show, came up with the stories, and then one writer would go off and write that episode. Um, and that instance, it was a story about, um, he, really people coming of age. She's turning 13. Uh, and suddenly this, this boy is paying a lot of attention to her Um, Mm -hmm. and he's doing it for the, for the, the the most genuine of reasons. He wants to uh, do something special for her birthday, but she's a little bit younger. She's 13, he's 16 and she, you know, misreads his, you know, his uh, um, gestures and he's a little bit older and doesn't realize, Oh yeah, maybe what I'm doing is like uh, uh, sending signals that I didn't intend it to because she might read into things more than, because she's not, you know quite where i am but this is just who i am so um that, it w- it, that felt like the most natural way for it for for that that to come out um and we wanted to deal with it but the show wasn't you know he, he, it's not about um uh him being gay it's just a part of who he is and um and we were able to uh, uh tell that story through you know through her uh um that coming of age moment. Um, and I was, I'm so delighted and proud that that has meant something. I, 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 you know, I, I, we both felt very supported by the studio to get to tell this story and Peter Dow was super supportive. We did have to, that episode, we had to like float it up the flagpole all the way to the president of DreamWorks just because, Mm. It hadn't, you know, like that kind of story hadn't really been done, but I did not expect it to strike a chord and there have been articles written about it. That was not why we did that story where, I mean, we're glad that it, it means something to people and it's, it's the kind of stories that we, you know, want to be out there that are reflective of the world that, 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 that we know. Um, but it wasn't. What's the word I'm searching for? Um, it, it, we I'm sorry. You weren't doing it for like a
4: pat on the back or anything. <laughs> yes, It came exactly. from a genuine place. Yeah. Thanks. And I'll just say that's something well, that I think <laughs> sometimes I lose track of that just because like part of what we do, our job as a podcast is to watch all this media and consume it and and compare things just across the board to see like who's interested in making what kind of content. How are people having impressions about that? Um, But the more we talk to people in the industry, the more it seems like when things like this happen, it really does tend to come from a very genuine personal place and not just a, like, we want to make a big statement about this, because we can. Um, And I think those always tend to be the most successful cases, because you fall in love with the characters because they feel real and they have... A lot going on, and you identify with them for a lot of reasons. But also, <laughs> even though Benson is great, regardless, and it's very true, like you're saying that it it isn't his whole character. The fact that he says it is something that is so wonderfully undeniable, and I think that's something that a lot of shows do. I don't. I won't want to use the word struggle because maybe they have very you know specific reasons for not being explicit. But it is kind of a nice surprise. And, I mean, maybe one day we'll get to a place where it doesn't have to be a surprise. But for now, it's just that alone is is something really nice to hold on to, I think especially. So I'm not at all surprised that a lot of people have been writing about it because it is just a nice, a nice genuine moment and Kipo just embraces him immediately and it's not a big deal. And then they just, you know, go on with the rest of their adventure. But... Yeah, it's just it was truly lovely. I'm <laughs> I'm glad it happened. You <laughs> yeah, know, yay Ben. really really
0: meaningful to a lot of us for sure. Um, yeah, it's it, and other 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 aspects of diversity. I mean, we, uh, I think it's really striking that um, a lot of the the main cast of characters are are black, and in general, yeah. the show is really diverse. Like, how how do you guys kind of end up there with such a diverse slate of characters when a lot of other shows kind of don't get there?
2: When when I was doing the so when I did the comic, I had started a, like a skateboard company, and I was sponsor. I made mean, was making decks and hats and clothing, and I, I was sponsoring a couple kids that I met at the skate park. And it, it turned out that happened. One was in the the Watts housing projects, and another lives in Inglewood. And I was going out there skating a lot, um, and it was just interesting because like they would say things to me, like I'd be the only white kid at the skate park. And he was Isaiah, my buddy, my sponsor at the time, just looked at me one day. He's like, you know, these kids don't know white people. (laughs) I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, we grow up like our whole life. We're just only know black people. And I I just thought that was an interesting thing he wanted to tell me. And (laughs) uh, I was casting and I was like, I was skating at that skate park when he said that to me. I was like, that's going to be weird when they watch TV that it doesn't reflect what they see every day.
1: Mm, yeah. Um,
2: and it kind of, I was like, well, why not <laughs> change up our casting a little bit from what I did in the comic? So they wanted us to make Benson younger. Um, and I just made him look like my buddy Isaiah. I- Isaiah wanted me to let people know he is not gay. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh it, he acts like Isaiah, he dresses like Isaiah. Um so like a lot of that was just my environment where I was around,
0: you know. But yeah, that's that's awesome. Um the yeah, and in and in the in the webcomic like, I know a lot of people noticed uh Ben Benson's like a, a big buff dude, uh, white. Oh dude. is yeah. he
4: really <laughs> yeah. oh that's funny.
0: I also like like
2: Isaiah was super cool. He's like a the coolest dude, like he's always dressed super cool, and in my mind, again, my main purpose is like, I just want the coolest dude. I want people to be watching this, and be like, that dude is so cool. Yeah. And then you're like, and he's gay, <laughs> you know. Um, I just wanted to kind of change the way people think about that because yeah. I've We're seen it. I,
3: hip.
2: You know, I've seen people say things and and act a certain way, and I'm like, it's just because you don't know any gay people, <laughs> you know.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I would go, go. I would go back back to like what I was saying that it, it is reflective of the the world that we live in today. Uh, like, uh, so we wanted the people that populate it to look like the the, the people you know of uh, Los Angeles today. Since we're um, you know humanity is basically frozen where it was, you know, stuck in these underground cities two hundred years later, um, and that way, Kipo herself is, is like a proxy for us because uh, she's never seen yeah. the surface before so it's like us experiencing the surface for the first time but uh, that that you know we kind of infused that into you know when I came in um, it was an exciting opportunity to get to, to uh, um, tell stories that you haven't seen before uh, uh, because there aren't a lot of stories with a fully diverse cast and it opens up more avenues and and there aren't a lot of animated shows with two uh young girls uh,
1: yeah.
3: anchoring the the, the 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 world and that was extremely exciting uh, for, for me that, to get to
2: that definitely came from um, Gina Davis came to campus one day and she was like she was just talking about, you know, the world is half female, but then she just up <laughs> she was pulling up clips like why why isn't why is the media not half female? Like why, And then she was like, "How many of you animators were like drawing today and did a background and and go back to your desk and look, I bet you made them all men, you know, that kind of thing where you subconsciously don't if you're not aware of it, you'll make it ninety percent male. Like unless someone says to you, "Are you paying attention?" like which Gina, when she came to the campus, she's like, "I want you guys to pay attention." When you're creating it, like, the world is 50% female. Are you actually tracking it? Um, so I always tried to keep that in mind when I was doing designs. We,
3: we, we carried that through, you know, even to the, the um, smaller characters and the yeah. supporting characters. Oh, I noticed uh, that.
4: Yeah, this is lovely. Just so many female characters. And without eyelashes lipstick, it's just <laughs> uh how far we've come in you know 20 plus years where you don't have to make something very specifically feminine for it to read as female that feels like an accomplishment somehow but it's yeah.
2: it's, it's definitely if, if gina davis hadn't come to the lec- like come to campus and given us that lecture i don't know that it would have been on my radar or, or it's something i even noticed
0: Interesting. Yeah. yeah that's that's really cool um it's starting to wrap up. some? Um, we mentioned a lot. I think you guys have mentioned a lot of them already, but what? what's some of your favorite scenes uh, from from the first season that kind of stand out to you looking back?
3: Oh. <laughs> I question.
2: love that. I mean, I love that Benson intro.
0: Yeah.
4: Oh, love that so, too. so good.
2: Uh, I love all of episode nine. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> what about you, Bill? I... I uh, it, I'm trying to, I'm thinking of all of our children, Rad, <laughs> the whole thing. Um, and trying to pick, um, I, I'll pick two, I'll choose two moments. Um, I, I really love in episode uh, two, uh, the, um, the uh, skyscraper, the whole skyscraper ridge sequence going mm-hmm. from escaping from the, uh, um, the mod frogs uh, bridge to going through skyscraper ridge because it's the first time we get to meet the family, uh, see the family of our show functioning as a family. And uh, it's ex- like looking back and I'm like, oh, I'm so excited. Like, I love looking at that, seeing where they start um, and how they're starting to function with each other. And, you know, knowing where, the, where we took them over the season. Um, it's, uh, uh, I'm proud of, uh, uh, that we uh, pulled off a dynamic uh, among them. Um and, and we're able to carry it through. And I think my other favorite scene is, is in episode seven, um, when uh um uh which was the Mulholland episode, um when uh Kipo gets this wish fulfillment of getting to have her mom for a day and then has to say goodbye to her. And and uh, um it's it was this uh, we got to have great comedy from our amazing actors uh, especially Sterling K. Brown who was pulled off the, the dad having that uncomfortable talk with his daughter about <laughs> changes and like not knowing how to handle that and then she get mom comes in um, and uh, we had G come in uh, she's so great as song uh, the dream song in that episode um, and Kipo gets her mom for a day and then has to say it makes that choice to say goodbye to her at the end um it's it's both touching and funny and heartbreaking at the same time so i'm 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 proud of how how we we pulled that off pardon me for patting my, our, ourselves <laughs> in the back <laughs> you deserve it very deserved yeah
4: Kind of jumping off of Rad um, talking about how much he loved episode nine. I just want to ask about, you know, where did Wolf come from? Her personality is very striking. She's such a good foil to Kipo, And just in some ways, it seems like her character arc has some of the most weight of any of the main cast in the first season. And I just, I want to know more about her. Just tell me all the things.
2: (laughs) So uh, the, the initial inspiration is anytime I sit down to, board a scene I always have to pick either an actor or a friend so I know how they're going to act so like I'll, I'll just give you an example like like in my mind Kipo was just Jess from New Girl and Wolf was Mad Max
1: Oh <laughs> then, wow!
2: like Benson acts like my friend Isaiah um, so I, I I don't ever board without having a person in mind
1: mm-hmm.
2: so that was kind of and I and I like to think of pairings that go well together so i loved that odd couple pairing i was like that'll work <laughs> that'll be easy to board that'll be easy to write if we have this kind of odd couple like the one person's super high the other and that was kind of the starting point of the personalities and then i i hadn't thought a lot about backstory so bill came in and came up with all that backstory and i was like oh yeah i didn't think about the fact that wolf probably used to talk <laughs>
1: Oh, She's yeah.
2: <laughs> and then when he told me like the ideas for that backstory, I was like, wow, that's
3: amazing. That <laughs> yeah, was, I think that's, a, that's an example of the happy synergy between having collab, you know, having a successful collaboration. Uh, I mean, I, I Rad is, it has these uncanny instincts and, and created this amazing Character on on and actually in, in uh, I believe Wolf in the comic was was designed as Mexican American, but then we had Sydney Michaela come in and and uh, she gave us such a, a, a great performance. I, I believe that she had been living on her own uh, <laughs> since she was five <laughs> years old, uh, and uh, we then Rad like uh, we Rad uh, redesigned redes- you know, the look of Wolf and made her African American um, and um uh then you know but we 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 had been talking about that backstory for wolf like since i i was brought on the project i thought oh that's just a great opportunity to have uh a very that's an example of not being afraid of sadness within a comedy i think it you know it's finding that right balance of the two um uh because I would say Kipo is an adventure comedy first and foremost, more than anything, but I believe adventure comedies absolutely can, can grapple with sadness. Um, and to have somebody that's been surviving on the surface for that long, uh, they probably had something tough <laughs> when they were, mm-hmm. when they were, when they were very young. Um, and uh, you know, as episode nine evolved, we, we, I, I'll, I'll say this. Brad and I are two uh, uh, white dudes. Uh, and, uh, we have a, a fully diverse cast with, um, two young girls as the leads. Um, one is black. Uh, so that's very far from our own life experience. And we, uh, it was the studio supported us in this. It was very important for us to put, uh, as many women and people of color in pos- creative positions of power in our show, we had two, two black directors, uh, a woman director, uh, uh, our two head writers, Joanna Lewis and Christine Sanko are women. Um, And that helped us round out these stories in ways that are beyond our life experience and bring an authenticity to it. Um, And I think that really shows uh, most in episode nine uh, um, with Wolf's backstory. Um, Like I came up with the backstory, but then when you, in terms of the details of it, like how she looks, uh, um, like what it's like to, Be in that you know family that 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 discovered her and raised is raising her but ultimately betrays her um a lot of that came from our conversations with our uh our great uh staff um that helped us uh uh mold those stories um and yeah like uh, chase chase was like oh no this is how like
2: someone i know growing up this their hair would fall out this way that's like a thing like when her hair gets disheveled or Chris, our other director, at the like we had cast um, Kipo as Korean, and it we were planning on on making a Korean dad, and he just was like, "You're making the dad black." <laughs> I was like, "Okay, I mean, isn't that a little weird that she's Korean?" He's like, "I don't care. We're making him, <laughs> him black, and I want to see a black dad on screen." So like, it was cool to have people that influenced the show in that way.
4: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's really cool. Will like totally answered one of my follow up questions. I was just going to ask you straight up, like, how diverse is your creative team? Can they speak to some of these characters' <laughs> experiences?
3: But clearly, <laughs> yes,
4: and clearly they did. I was yeah, like, you, yeah, that that that's a huge part of making it feel like it can resonate with other people who share that experience, even if you personally don't.
2: Yeah, it, it's interesting the way art directing, and I just hired. I, I work in feature. So I just I only knew a few people in TV. I just hired the people I knew, which happened to be Chris Chase, Dan, (laughs) Um, which happened to be diverse people. Yeah, that's that's really good. You know, I think it's a thing because whenever I go to Comic Con and I hang out. I'm into a certain art style. So I'm into yes. anime. I'm into so I'm friends with. I don't know if you guys know Lashawn Thomas who does a lot of anime with Netflix.
4: Yes, Lashawn's um, amazing. Is he I, still I, in Korea right now? I know he was for a while. He's in Japan. Oh, he's in Japan. Yeah,
2: awesome. and he's, I don't know if I'm supposed to say what he's doing. He's doing a ton of really cool stuff.
1: <laughs>
4: um, Can we, <laughs> we like I
2: did Lashawn and Chase and, and Chris and they're all just we're all into anime for whatever reason, you know? Um, we all kind of gravitated towards each other. So when I was like the Chris and Chase were the first people I hit up, I'm like, dude, I'm doing a show. <laughs> <Come listen." laughs> but then it just turned out to be nice. Cause like, I'm like, Hey, does this hair look okay?
1: Right.
2: <laughs> you know, um, you have people to bounce off or, or, or Chris being like, no, nah, we got to do this, you know? I'm like, okay. <laughs>
0: Awesome, yeah, that, that's really good stuff. I, la, la, uh, I think we have to wrap up. Last thing, any anything you guys can say on More keepo? No.
4: Don't just say uh, no. Give him a chance.
0: <laughs> I assume it's no. No. Okay. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll be.
3: There, there's 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 a, a moon boy above us with a fishing pole to yank us up in the <laughs> air. If we, if we say anything else.
0: Okay, we'll be we'll we'll be waiting for any word. Very excited. Um, yeah, that, that was, that was great. Thank you guys so much, uh, Rat and Bill, for joining us. Yeah,
4: cool. Thank you so much. It just was a wonderful pleasure. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. Well, thanks uh, guys. Uh, yeah. Thanks for listening guys. We'll see you next time. Bye.
4: Bye.